0: in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us. So be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching from the book of Romans, chapter 12. So grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney.
1: A few statistics on the human body. Give me your attention. Have you ever thought about it? God is an amazing, awesome God. What, three people agree with that? <laughs> Let the church say. Amen. It's true. And uh, because he's an awesome, amazing God, he's designed us. Our bodies are awesome And amazing. Regardless of what you think of your body, it's incredible. It's awesome. Listen at these statistics. During a 24-hour period, did you know in 24 hours, your heart beats 103,689 times? Your blood travels 168 million miles in a 24-hour period. That's equivalent to 6,720 times around the world. You breathe 23,040 times. You inhale 438 cubic feet of air. You speak 4,800 words depending on your gender. I'm just reading you what it's, it's just, I didn't come up with this stuff, people. You move 750 muscles. You exercise 7 million brain cells. Some more, some less. That was me. There are several hundred systems, get this, of controlling your body, interacting and affecting one another. The brain has 10 billion nerve cells to record what a person sees and hears. The skin has more than 2 million tiny sweat glands, approximately 3,000 per square inch. All of these sweat glands work together to keep the body at an even temperature. You could go on and on, listen, of the intricacies of the human body. It is amazing, but are you listening? The body of Christ and the design that God has used and devised the body of christ is even more amazing than that many gifts in the body many members in the body yet one body now have you been with us in our study in the book of romans if you have you know we've been talking about all that god has done all that he's done god has justified us god has sanctified us god has glorified us God has elected us. God has called us. God has chosen us. We know that there's no way, Jose, that we shall be separated from the love of God. We've got the promises of God that were made to Israel in chapters 9, 10, and 11. And those promises that were made to Israel are promises that give us assurance that God will keep his word to us as Gentiles. We've learned many things so far in the book of Romans, which brought us to Romans chapter 12 in verses 1 and 2. Go ahead and peek at it, if you will, if your Bibles are open. Paul said in verse 1, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you do what, saints? Present your body. What is it saying? Present your body a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. The word reasonable, the phrase reasonable service, we've talked about that. Speaks to our act of worship or giving yourself wholeheartedly to God. Surrender. Were you with us last week? Surrender plus sacrifice equals worship. Genesis 22. If you missed it, get the CD. A reasonable act of worship. Talked about that. So listen. We've got all of this doctrinal information now. We've learned many, many, many things as it relates to doctrine. Paul now is going to move from doctrine to duty. From from the position of the believer to the practice of the believer. Now we need to get our arms around what we know. Now we need to put some feet to our faith on the things that we know. So chapter 12, right about verse 3, listen, to the end of the book is very applicational and it's very personal and it focuses on our place and our function within the body of Christ. Now, if you've got a pen and you've got a pad, I'm going to give you a real quick two-point outline and then we're going to move forward. We're going to talk about, first of all, listen... Our relationship to the church, our relationship to the church in verses three through five. And then finally, simple two points. We'll talk about our responsibility in the church. And you'll find that in verses six through eight. Our relationship to the church and our responsibility in the church. The sermon title, The Body, A Great design romans chapter 12 saints we pick up in verse 3 if you're looking at it say amen. amen for i say paul says through the grace given to me to everyone who is among calvary chapel not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think somebody say amen I love that verse so much. I'm going to read it again. (laughs) Not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think. But here's how you to think. Think soberly as God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. For as we have many members in one body, but all the members do not have the same function. So we being many are one body in Christ and individually we are members of one another. Well, then having gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, let us use them. If you have the gift of prophecy, let us prophesy in proportion to our faith. That would be better translated, the faith. I'll tell you more in just a second. Or ministry. Let us use it in our ministering. He who teaches in teaching and he who exhorts in exhortation and he who gives, let him give with liberality. That means give a lot. And I say, amen to that. And he who leads with diligence and he who shows mercy with what saints cheerfulness in our outline point. Number one, our relationship to the church. Notice Paul is talking about spiritual gifts. But before he does, did you notice he says, through the grace that is given to me, to all the church, don't think of yourself more highly than you are. You know, coming off of this teaching about, um, I, I beg you to present yourself a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And Christian, be not conformed to this world, but be transformed, metamorphosis, by the renewing of your mind. That you might prove what is that good and perfect and acceptable will of God. Right out of that, Paul says, listen, by the grace of God, don't think of yourself more highly than you ought. It's almost like Paul has given us some good, deep doctrinal teaching. And we're the better for it because we have learned and we have grown. But don't let that good, deep doctrinal teaching cause you to get puffed up. We know people like that now, don't we? I know people like that. They're so deep, just deep. How you doing? Blessed in the Lord. Hallelujah. It's like, wait a minute. I just asked how you doing. I didn't need all that. So deep, so heavenly minded. You know, earthly good. You know, don't be high minded. Paul says, don't be puffed up. Don't think of yourself higher than you ought to think. You know, there's two types of people. There are people who think of themselves more highly than they ought to think. And there are people who think of themselves more lowly than they ought to think. We know those people who think of themselves more highly than they ought to think. These are people who are the center of their universe. They're a legend in their own mind. They are all that and a bag of chips. <laughs> they think of themselves more highly than they are. They're, they're hearty and they're prideful. There's nothing to me, listen, that stinks more than prideful pre- people. I was about to say prideful preachers. <laughs> but that's my next point. There's nothing more hearty, more ugly more smelling than prideful people in the pulpit. We all see it. Of course we do. I see it. The arrogance, there's no humility. There's no, you know, nowadays, there's no approaching God with any reverence. And so we get in the pulpit and people say anything they want to say and do anything they want to do. And I'm talking weird stuff. That's coming out of the pulpit. It stinks to us. And can you imagine what that smells like to God? God is probably like, Oof, that's awful. And don't misunderstand me. When you are a preacher of the word or in the pulpit, I'm not saying that you need to be the kind of person where, you know, you're just so humble. You can't even speak about God because you're just so Humble. And you come to the pulpit, well, I'm just not worthy. I'm just not worthy. Listen, we know you're not worthy. <laughs> Nobody is worthy. But we sometimes we, we, we confuse. We don't want to be prideful. So we swing to the other end, which is the other persons, people that we know who are caught up in their humility. They think of themselves so humble. Well, I just can't do anything. I just am lowly. I'm just so low. I play wall ball with the curve. I just don't even know I can't serve the Lord because I'm so low. I can't do children's ministry because I'm I'm just so low. I can't serve the Lord because I'm so low. Listen, Paul says, don't think of yourself more highly than you ought to think, number one. But also, don't think of yourself more lowly than you ought to think. But you ought to think, what does it say in verse three? But to think what soberly, if you're taking notes, you write this down. That simply means to make a sensible appraisal of oneself. You're to make a sensible appraisal of yourself. Paul says, for we are members in one body, but not all the members. Did you get that? Have the same function in verse four. Go ahead and look at it. Man, verse four, I, you know, I have written in my margin, I wish the body of Christ could get a hold of this. For we as have many members in one body. Would you look at verse four with me? It's so important. Read it with me. For we have many members in one body, but all the members do not have the same function. Man, we need to get a hold of that. Man, this room. There are many members in this room right now. Many members. Many members. Go ahead and look at them. Look to your right. Look to your left. Go ahead. That means now. Go ahead and do it. And, and then look behind you. Look behind you. Look beside you. Look, notice these people are not like you. And they have different gifts than you have. And because they have different gifts and they're not like you, there are different functions as well. And we need each other in the body of Christ. You need me. And I need you. We are many members, but yet one body and we're one body. When the Bible talks about the body of Christ, the Bible is talking about the universal body of Christ. All believers in Jesus Christ, whether you're in Africa or apex, whether you're in India or another. I state. It's one body. Are you listening? And it's not the black body of Christ. Hello. And it's not the white body of Christ. Hello. How unfortunate is that when the body of Christ segregates because of the color of their skin? I've told you a thousand times, I love to tell you. The one thing I love about this church, you just look to your right, you look to your left, you look behind you, you look in front of you. And there are all kinds of people in this room right now. There's black folks and white folks and Hispanic folks and people from India. There are all kinds of people. That's the body. That's the body. We're the body of Christ, and it's an organism. It's not an organization. The body of Christ is a living organism. God is the builder and the designer, and he has fitted us together. And we are forever. We belong to the Lord. And we also are members and belong to each other. Well, then notice Paul goes on in verses six through eight. We just read it and it tells us how we're connected. How are we members? Well, listen, we are members and we are connected Because of spiritual gifts. Did you see that in verse six? Go ahead and look at it again. Which brings us to point number two, our responsibility in the church. Now, please note this. Please get this. Having gifts, notice Paul says, differing according to the grace that is given to us. Saints, this is probably the biggest single problem in the church. We fail to realize that we have gifts that are differing. And everyone doesn't have the same gift. God has given each one of us a gift. When you become a Christian, are you listening? God has given you a gift. I believe it's the moment that you become a Christian. Now, don't confuse gifts and talents. Because some people have just talents. They are talented. But what we're talking about are spiritual gifts that God gives to people. And I find too often as a pastor, I find people are dissatisfied with the gift that God has given them because they look at the gift that God has given somebody else and they say, I want to do that. Isn't that true? You know, I would tell you something. If you are frustrated with your gifting, you're probably trying to do something that God has not called you to do. And if you are stagnant in your gifting... It's probably because you haven't done what God has called you to do. People are frustrated in their gifting. That's because they're striving. The Bible says a servant of the Lord must not strive. If God has gifted you to something, you know, we talk about where God guides, he provides. Listen, if God has called you to do something, he's going to provide you with the gifting and the tools and the resources to get it done, and you won't be striving. I really believe that. If the Bible tells us the servant of the Lord must not strive, then God's not going to lead you to a ministry of which you have to strive with it. And if you're striving with it, you're probably not doing what God wants you to do. Somebody say amen. Amen. I know it's hot in here, but somebody say amen. Amen. You know what I tell you when it's hot. Thank God you're Christians. (laughs) Amen. You think this is hot. If you don't know Jesus, stand up right now. Let me... We're striving in our gifting. Now, you'll find more gifts. Listen, you'll find all the gifts of the Spirit. Matter of fact, if you want an in-depth teaching on the gifts of the Spirit, you can pick up our CD uh, teaching series on the gifts. It's called Keeping the Balance, and you can pick it up in the bookstore. But what you will find, if you're a note-taker, you write this down. Here in Romans chapter 12... Verses six through eight, you find seven gifts of the Holy Spirit. And then in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, you will find nine additional gifts of the Holy Spirit. And then in Ephesians chapter four, you will find five gifts of the Spirit listed. That's where you'll find all the gifts in the Bible. So people ask me all the time, Pastor Rodney, are you guys spirit-filled believers? Somebody asked me just a couple weeks ago well i you know i heard of that calvary chapel place over there and uh, i've been listening to you on the radio and uh are you guys spirit-filled believers i told absolutely you see the bible says if you're not spirit-filled you do not belong to god now what people mean when they say are you spirit-filled they're actually asking you do you speak in tongues in your service do you have the visible manifestations of the gifts of the spirit in your sanctuary gatherings? This is what they really mean. Is there a word of prophecy going forth? Is there a word of knowledge going forth? Is there tongues and in the interpretation of tongues? People have said, you know, I visited your service, Pastor, and I don't really, I don't really get Calvary Chapel. What, what's up with you guys? I mean, you all know, guys are kind of weird. I mean, Baptist people have said, you know, Calvary, Calvary Chapel, are you guys Pentecostal? I mean, you guys lifting up your hands and dancing. I mean, not in the sanctuary, but in other events. Are you guys Pentecostal Baptist, people say? Pentecostals say, well, man, you guys strike me as a little Baptist. I mean, you guys are dead, man. I mean, you know, there's no speaking in tongues. There's no, you know, jumping over the pews, dancing in the spirit. You know, you guys seem a little dead. What are you guys at Calvary Chapel? And I tell them, you know. I think we're kind of Baptocostal. <laughs> I mean, a little bit of this and a little bit of that, you know, we, we try to keep the balance. Amen, saints. We try to keep the balance in the services. And by the way, listen, just because you don't see or hear somebody audibly in a sanctuary stand up and speak in tongues, it doesn't mean that no one is in the sanctuary speaking in tongues. As a matter of fact, I know people in this room right now that have the gift of tongues that even during worship. They may be right now speaking in tongues. Hopefully they're not listening to what I have to say. (laughs) But they have a gift. And so you can exercise that gift. Why is it that we think we have a gift and we have to exercise it loudly? The Bible says a gift is subject to the prophet. In other words, you can control your, well, Pastor, I just had to speak out. I'm sorry, I had to speak out. I just couldn't help myself. I was at the grocery store in the line buying some baked beans and I had to speak in tongues. (laughs) Why? Well, it just was coming up out of me. I couldn't help it. I'm like, yeah, you can't help it because it's a gift God has given to you. Therefore, you're in control of it. You don't have to speak out and you can even speak softly if you like. So just because you don't see someone standing up or you, where's the gift of prophecy? Well, just because somebody doesn't stand up and say, thus saith the Lord. (laughs) I came from a church background like that. Where every single Sunday, you know, you were just waiting because you knew it was coming. (laughs) Or, you know, and it was generally the same person every week. (laughs) Anybody know what I'm talking about? Anybody awake? Okay, good. It's generally the same person every single week, you know. And it's like, uh, you know, they get up, Thus saith the Lord, God is going to judge thou and consumeth thou like the caterpillar. <laughs> what? And I don't understand why this gift of prophecy has to come out in the King James language. It's <laughs> if you got the gift, you have to speak in Elizabethan English. And if you, you know, you can't speak in NIV. It's not real prophecy if you're just speaking in IV. It has to be in the Queen's English. Thus saith the Lord. And it's just like, wait a minute. Do, am I the only one that sees these things as just a little bit strange? That's all. That's all. I'm just I, and I'm I take what I see, and we've got to filter it through the Word of God. And we determine our practice based on the Word, not based on our feelings. So, yes, we are spirit filled. Yes, we do believe in every single one of the gifts. Talking about the gifts, Paul, quickly look at verse six. He brings to us the gift, first of all, of prophecy, the gift of prophecy. Now, understand something, saints. Listen, there is a difference between Old Testament prophets. Are you listening? There's a difference between Old Testament prophets and New Testament prophets. In the Old Testament, God had his prophets doing some very interesting things. He told Isaiah to walk around for three years naked and preach. I'm thanking God I don't have that gift. (laughs) Y'all don't want to see that. Trust. (laughs) I mean, you know, and, and, and having prophets, you know, cook their meals over cow manure. It's like, goodness, God, give us a break. The Old Testament prophets are different than the New Testament prophets. The Old Testament prophets, listen, they were largely, write this down if you're taking notes, they were largely foretelling or predictive in nature, predict, predicting the future, or calling people back to God in the Old Testament. In the New Testament, it wasn't so much foretelling as it was, watch this, forthtelling the mind and the heart of God. The New Testament prophets were forth telling. So this gift of prophecy is to be exercised in the church. And notice what Paul says in verse six. He says that this gift is to be exercised according to, it says in King, New King James, our faith. That's better translated, the faith. Listen, the faith. This doesn't mean according to how much faith you have to prophesy. This means according to the Christian faith. In other words, listen, everything you hear should match and be weighed against God's word and the teaching of scripture and Christian truth. Everything you hear, you should weigh it through the word of God.